You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. The APN is currently looking for network sponsors. Hear your company right here at the beginning of the show in over 60 episodes a month on 18 different shows and reach 70,000 subscribers. Contact the APN via chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. That's chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com to sponsor the only archaeology education and outreach podcast network. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Women in Archaeology podcast. Today we're going to talk to a bunch of archaeologists who are also moms about a variety of topics concerning kids, about having kids, including how it changed their profession, logistics uh, of caring for kids, um, how the field could be a more family-friendly practice, and advice for future future archae parents. I'm Emily Long and I'm here with Chelsea Slotten, Ginny McNiven, Kirsten Lopez, Lindsay Doyle, and Natalie Clark. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me. And Grace, we're happy to have you here too. <laughs> first things first, um, Jenny, Lindsay, and Natalie at this is your either your first time being on the podcast or it's been a long time. So if you could please introduce yourselves, that would be great. Uh, okay, I guess I'll go first. Um, I'm Lindsay Doyle, um, and I am out of the Southeast uh, at this time working for a um, federal corporation, and I have a two-year-old. So and she's here with me tonight, so you might hear her a little bit. <laughs> No problem at all. Who's next? Um, I'll go short. Uh, this is Jenny, and I have not been on the podcast for a little while, but it's really good to be back. Um, I am the host of the Struggling Archaeologist Guide to Getting Dirty podcast, which uh, has not been posting a lot lately, and that is mostly due to my busy schedule, working full-time, teaching, and taking care of my one and a half year old son, Riker. Um, it's, um, it, it's a joy, but it has kept me from podcasting as much as I used to. But um, I, I'm really uh, lucky that my husband was home tonight to watch him so that I could be here with you ladies. I'm super excited. We're psyched to have you. And Natalie, could you please introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, this is Natalie Clark. I uh, work for a federal agency out of Western Colorado. I have a little 18-month-year-old girl, Helena, and she luckily is asleep and hopefully will be for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, ladies, thank you so much for being here. And before uh, we we dive into this topic too much, um, we do want to say that, like, I personally, I don't have any kids, but someday I, I would, and I am... I am concerned about how that could change my career path. And I know Chelsea would also like to make a statement about all of this too. I know that there are lots of people who want children and there are lots of people who have children. We have four lovely mothers on the, the show tonight, but there are also plenty of women who don't particularly want kids. And I think there's still a little bit of a, a social stigma around that. So I just wanted to start off saying that if you don't want kids like that's fine definitely you know women all over the country and all over the world who feel that way um you know this this might not be the episode that's super for you um but i think it is like a, a really important topic to talk about regardless of whether or not you want children because it's gonna affect somebody 
um, and probably a lot of somebody's. And if you do want kids, this is exactly the episode you should be listening to. Um, and it's probably all I'm going to say tonight because I definitely fall into the not super desiring kids camp. And that's totally cool. Yes. Yeah. And if I could add actually a little tag on Chelsea's discussion is with the whether you have kids, don't have kids, want kids or don't have kids, it is good to be able to understand um, the difficulties and the challenges of, of those who do and not to give priority so much, but be able to kind of give space for like, okay, that's a different struggle than what, you know, someone else has. I know my current struggle is probably different than the rest of you because mine's much older. So <laughs> there's a, a whole different, um, as they grow and age and get older, there's different things that you have to manage in order to uh, make it work, I guess, is the best way to put it. And this is something that's kind of across the career spectrum, but archaeology is one of those, as you know, we'll discuss, uh, fieldwork careers or commonly construed to be fieldwork career that can be um, increasingly challenging and can um, adjust your uh, plans. Well said. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of which, and um, having kids and how it may change your trajectory, uh, ladies, uh, Jenny, Natalie, Kirsten, would one of you like to jump in about um, having kids and being archaeologists, or has it changed how you work? Well, I can, I can say from my experience um I actually so my my kiddo was definitely a surprise and um I actually uh started out my pregnancy um while working in the field and um that was about the time that I I think it was sort of inevitable it was it was definitely anybody that's been through pregnancy knows like uh after about the first month is 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 when you really start to feel kind of lousy and it just like through that first trimester, it, it just gets kind of worse. Um, uh, but that was about the point where I, I made my decision to get out of the field and sort of at that point started to reeducate and uh, try to shift gears into a more uh, office environment just because it would be, it would offer more stability so that I could be around. Um, but that was just the choice that, that I made. I think, you know, a lot of people go about it in different ways. Uh, I, I agree. I, I also kind of made a similar change. Um, I was on a project when I got pregnant as well. And uh, I, I actually finished the project, which took me through about my, the beginning of my seventh month of pregnancy. Oh, wow. wow. So, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I have pictures of myself. Ass. I know, right? It was a survey project in uh, eastern New Mexico, and I, yeah, I, I was out in the field hiking my eight kilometers, eight to twelve kilometers a day through my seventh month. Um, so that that was that was awesome. Uh, but after that, I was I definitely needed a break. I'm not gonna lie, um, the lifestyle is a little bit harder to keep up. Uh, I mean, if you think it's hard when you're pregnant, it's probably even more hard when you have a, a infant. You know, that's 
that that's yeah. a life where you need to be around a little bit more. You can't work 10 hour, 12 hour days yeah. um, and, and working eight days in a row. I mean, that's just, a, that's just really taxing on a new mother. So uh, I, I certainly took a little bit more time off because I was contracting. So I could do that. But when I decided to go back to work, I, I just, uh, I didn't have the, you know, the, I didn't want to work in the field anymore at that point. Uh, I do love excavating and, and survey, and I, I would love to do projects now and then, but I think long-term, I really wanted to shift directions to a career where I could be home more often and be more available to my child and my husband. And so, yeah, I, I sort of have always been in the academic world as well, kind of at the same time. And so that I, I kind of shifted to um, higher education. Uh, I now have a full-time job working administration, but I also teach adjunct. And uh, that keeps me pretty busy, but it, it gives me a little bit more flexibility and a lot more time at home with my family, which to me was really important. So that that's kind of a decision I made. And uh, I, I'm working on a couple of different directions for my future career right now that will allow me to kind of keep this similar lifestyle while getting a little bit more back into the academic direction that I want to be in. But mm-hmm. that, that's where I am right now. That's, yeah, I, I very much agree. I, it was a choice from my end um, and that I, I really wanted to move in that direction. And um, I have a hard time imagining doing the CRM schedule with a little baby. I can't yeah. imagine. <laughs> I, yeah, no. I, mean, I, I love the field, you know, um, and I, I, I do miss it sometimes. I still get to go out on, on field visits now and then, you know, like day-long visits, and, and that is really great, but I do have to really plan that out specially um, just because of how I've structured my life intentionally at this time. And I'm a single parent, so... Um, you know, I, I don't know how it would be different necessarily. Um, I, I don't think I would still, I still don't think I would be choosing to be in the field, but, um, it's, it's particularly important to me to be able to be present, you know, so that I can actively, um, co-parent and keep that balance. So, mm-hmm. so I have a, a different situation where, you know, I'm fortunate to, I don't know, in some ways fortunate to be more office-based. Um, as a federal archaeologist, I'm lucky if I get to go out in the field maybe once a week. <laughs> and I got to suffer through my first trimester during the winter. So luckily, I did not have to go out in the field. That would have been miserable. I don't know how you ladies did it. Um, but um, I did what was late into my pregnancy in the summertime at the the height of field season and we didn't have a big crew that year. So I was out until my eighth, my eighth month and I had to do some survey work. And there was one day where I just had to call it quits. I started to feel some um, heat exhaustion and I said, this Mm. just isn't safe. I need to get out of the field. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, from August to when I returned, um, I was not field going anymore, but at the same time, my job is more office-based anyway, um, so that that has been helpful. But I also have a unique situation. Um, my spouse is a is also an archaeologist. He works in CRM, and so we had really when I'm in the field, I have to coordinate with him. If you know he's if he's out of town, if he's also going to be in the field, 
I have to make sure that wherever I'm going is within cell service range because mm-hmm. um, one of us has to be available to, you know, drop everything and pick up the kid from childcare if we need to. So that's been a little bit difficult and challenging and I really have to coordinate that. Um, it's also hard when he's out of town, like this week on a project, um, just, you know, as Lindsay was saying um, about single parenting, that kind of applies when he's gone for me. So um, yes, it, it definitely adds a new element to the job. <laughs> I was kind of curious. So, um, Avi mentioned that you were pregnant doing some field work. Uh, was it like Natalie, you mentioned you were starting to get some heat exhaustion, but earlier on, I mean, did you find it difficult to do that in the field? Cause I know there's a little bit of, um, wariness by some agencies, some companies to allow pregnant women in the field, but I've also seen this upsurge on Tumblr and Twitter of like, you know, pregnant women in the field, we can do it. I was just curious about your experiences. <laughs> Is it harder? Is it about the I same? I it... didn't tell anybody until I was like leaving the next week. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> How I went about it. Mm-hmm. I was I was only a month pregnant when I started my last field project, and I was probably four and a half months when I left. And I am I have no doubt that most of my crew had figured it out by then, <laughs> but like. <laughs> Everybody was very considerate about not saying anything until I was like, okay, so I'm going to have a baby. (laughs) Um, And I'm, you know, I'm out. But I don't know. You you guys? Uh, Well, I was really lucky to have a a wonderful pregnancy. Um, I I really didn't have any complications. I I barely ever had morning sickness and I felt really strong and capable throughout all of it. So my fieldwork was pretty taxing and I think I probably was a little bit more tired than the average person. Um, I definitely had some swollen ankles, but I got (laughs) through it. I felt like pretty well. And, uh, I think, I mean, I definitely waited a little longer to tell my crew than I would have otherwise because I didn't want them to overreact or to treat me that differently. I, I certainly didn't want too much special treatment or anything like that. But once I told them, they were wonderful. They uh, they were supportive and they, you know, made sure that we were stopping to rest as much as I needed and uh, making sure I wasn't carrying anything too heavy, mm-hmm. but it worked out really well. I know I've talked about it on a previous podcast uh, for, for us before. But, I'm sorry, could you repeat that real quick? It was good. You, were in a, you oh, no. talked about that on another podcast? Yeah, I, I, I know we did an episode on this podcast a little while back about balancing family and oh, stuff yeah. like that, mm-hmm. and I, I, I did speak about it a bit then, and I do also have an episode of my podcast where I talked about pregnancy in the field for the whole episode, mm-hmm. so um, I, I don't want to rehash too much, but it, it was overall a positive experience for me. I didn't, I didn't have any type of backlash or um, negativity from my boss or my team, and they were really supportive helping me get through the whole thing. Uh, so I, I felt like like I was very capable in that and that my pregnancy didn't really uh, get in the way of my field work too much. It was all good. <laughs> good. E- even even in eastern New Mexico in July. That's impressive. <laughs> I was I mean it, I mean it's I, hot. It's definitely hot, not gonna lie. Had a couple was, couple more breaks than, than normal, but uh, I you know, I dealt with it and I drank tons of water and, and I survived. 
Hmm, right. There are definitely extra considerations to take when you're pregnant in the field. It's like extra water. And, you know, there are things I may have done before uh, climbing up certain scree slopes that I wouldn't have done at while pregnant. So you definitely have to think of, you know, different considerations. And sometimes you have to send someone else up the hill or um, out that day. But, you know, it just, you do what you do. Nice. I'll be the first man. I know absolutely nothing about pregnancy. So it's good to know. It's kind of like, well, what would you need to worry about in the field? Or is it really just, you know, your general cautionary things, but otherwise it's kind of work as usual, you know? On the other hand, walking is an excellent exercise for pregnancy. So in that way, it's it's great. (laughs) Yeah. And some of it really individually dependent, though, because. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I was a train wreck. I was I was vomiting every time I had to survey through a tobacco field. Oh no! So it was yeah. I had a lot of aversions. So um, and I was I was often sick. But everybody's every pregnancy is different too. So mm-hmm. you know that's that experience is going to vary wildly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I made it past rotting cow carcasses without oh. puking. So. Oh my god! How I, <laughs> I must have a stomach made of steel because that was gross. <laughs> I know. Kirsten, do you want to jump in there? Oh, well, so I actually had, I didn't have my daughter and uh, while I was working uh, in archaeology. I had her many years before. Um, I went back to school late, and when she was in school, I went back to school. And... Uh, Kind of from there, the uh, so when she was in, I want to say first grade is when I really started going back to school full time. Uh, and I took her with me everywhere to my internships. Um, I did not take her to field school for many reasons, um, but I, I she went with me to museum work, um, and she did a lot of that with me. I drove around everywhere, uh, across, halfway across the world, and uh, now she's 13, so she's a bit older, um, but after I finished school and started doing serum field work, she would stay, uh, so being a single mom, it was challenging. Um, I wouldn't take work for more than a week at a time, um, during the school year and I, she stayed with friends so that she could go to school in the morning. And it was usually only for a two or three day stint at most, um, if it wasn't a local same day project. So I was very particular. I coordinated amongst, I want to say five different CRM firms in the area that were understanding and flexible with me and know, knew my limitations in my schedule. So, um, but during the summer, she stayed with her father, and I was able to work out um, in the field for that whole period for you know, whatever I needed. So that was kind of a nice, a nice plus to the single parenting thing. Is I got chunks of time off, um, but I I don't know if I could you know do the pregnancy early childhood and field work that would be very very challenging and then definitely had that thought of like well if i wanted to do it again <laughs> it's a completely different consideration mm-hmm. than when she was like 10 uh, and i was working in the field so that's uh you know now she's 
technically a teenager. She kind of takes care of herself for most of the time, and um, that's it's a lot simpler in the logistics area. Mm-hmm. She can kind of take care of herself. It's a big decision for yourself at, at that point in your life with with like you know a ten year old. It's pretty awesome. Well, you know, that's uh. The market fell. I did sales at the time and decided to do something I wanted to. Went back to school um, when she was about six. So it took a little while. Finished my degree when she was eight. No, yeah, she was eight. Um, and then worked in the field for about five years. And then I'm in grad school again um, for my master's because I don't want to be in school getting my PhD while she's, you know, finishing high school and then going off to college. So I want to, you know, spend more time with her again and, you know, keep it local. So I've definitely strategized and changed my plan with her than I may have taken on my own. So now it is time for a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about field work and maybe we can get into some other topics. So be right back. Hey, podcast fans, check out the ARC 365 podcast at www.arcpodnet.com forward slash ARC 365. That's A-R-C-H 365 for your daily dose of archaeology. Each episode is less than 15 minutes long, and we have some great guests recording about awesome archaeology. We also try to throw in some definitions and basic archaeological information. So check out the 365 Days of Archaeology podcast only in 2017 at www.arcpodnet.com forward slash ARC 365 today. Find us also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Music by typing ARC365 into the search. Now back to the show. Welcome back. We're now going to get into the logistics of having kids and trying to do field work. And one of the things we were talking a little bit over the break was how hard it can be to... uh, have a kid and know how to how daycare would work out and that kind of thing um so ladies if you could jump right in into logistics from daycare to pumping in the field all that good stuff jenny you were saying that over the break you were talking a little bit about uh logistics and issues with daycare and just trying to figure that all out can be really difficult sure um well you know i think a lot of people who uh are just maybe getting into the field and wondering about what could my future be like having a kid. Uh, It's a good thing to think about the logistics, such as, you know, if you have a small child and you're ready to go back to work and you want to do some field work, um, you know, a lot of, I know in my day job now, there are times when my son is sick and I have to pick him up from daycare and I have to bring him to my office for a couple of hours till my husband can get him or until I can go home. And these are the type of things that can become a little bit more difficult if you are working in a field position or in an environment like a laboratory where it's really not kid friendly, um, especially with small children. Uh, I know like if Kirsten's 13 year old was sick and she had to get her from school, she that might be a different situation where she could maybe come out for a couple of hours if she was responsible. But a field the a, a field site is not the right environment for a small child it's 
dangerous. And honestly, you're really not going to be able to get any work done with a, with a little kid running around there. So um, that's something you have to take into consideration. You have to have a backup plan. It's good if you have extra support. Uh, and I'm sure most parents have this anyway, no matter what job they work. But in the field, it's it's an option that doesn't exactly exist, whereas it might in an office setting, for example, to, to be able to bring your kid in with you or to, you know, just uh, be able to just go grab them from from daycare and bring them somewhere else to a sitter. Because what if you're, you know, like my last field project, we were working 45 minute drive away from my home and then we were hiking 12 miles or whatever into the middle of nowhere where I didn't have cell service and I couldn't just pop back to daycare to pick my son up if he was sick. You know, it would have, obviously that wouldn't have worked out. (laughs) So uh, these are just logistics. Yeah, exactly. You can't just pop back in from the field if you're in the middle of the, you know, woods or if you're in the middle of the desert or wherever. So um, these are things you got to think about. And also field work, the hours and the schedule is a bit challenging with kids because uh, you're not always working the same hours that a daycare facility is open. So you, you're really going to need support or logistically help figuring out how you're going to get your kid home if daycare closes at 630, but you're not home from your field project until 730 or 8. Um, and if you've got to leave at 5 in the morning, but they don't open till 6.30. So um, just a couple of things to consider logistically with the, the way our schedules and um, the, the field work situation works out for, for a lot of archaeologists who are out there. Um, and, and some of the same stuff can be said for other environments like laboratories and places where, um, yeah, they probably wouldn't smell too much on having your little kid running around grabbing things right and left. <laughs> Should we um, should we share a little bit of how we've managed those type of logistics? If you're ha- willing to, that would be wonderful. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know I know for myself, I um, I work in an office now, so I I rarely do go out on field visits. But when I do, it's it's usually you know like you were saying for a twelve hour day, it's not a. It's not a work day that fits within the confines of how the, of how the daycare works. And we do have a great daycare um, set up. But, um, you know, for example, the last time I had to go out, um, you know, she's, she's used to getting dropped off at 8 o'clock. And um, the daycare does open at 6.30. So um, I just arranged with them. I, I told them I was going to have her there pretty much the minute they opened and that since she wasn't used to that she would probably be still in her pjs with a blanket and a pillow and that she might want to go back to sleep and they were like great you know they were ready for it um and i i'm I'm lucky to have a friend locally who um has a, a kiddo about grace's age who um also was a nanny for 10 years and you know she just picked her up at the end of um, the daycare hours and kept her until I was able to get back. But, you know, it, it took a little while to, to just have those logistics set up, you know. Um, I'm also lucky to have a, um, a very participatory, is that the word, um, co-parent who, um, you know, anytime Grace's dad and I need to, um, you know, kind of modify our 
our normal arrangement. We've been pretty good at doing that. So that's on this end. I, and I also was still breastfeeding when I started this job. I'm starting to wean, but for, um, for pumping, uh, the couple of times I've needed to do it while out on a field visit, um, I have just brought with me either a battery operated pump or a hand pump. They make, you know, just hand operated ones. They take longer, but, and, uh, grabbed an opportunity while we were stopped at a gas station really (laughs) just tried to do it one time, you know, put it, you know, sometime toward the middle of the day to, for practical reasons and, um, you know, carry, carry ice with me. You definitely have to plan ahead, but, but it worked out and it, it went, Actually, I'd say really well, you know, so. Is that uh, something you've seen a lot of women doing in the field is pumping? Can't say I have. Um, I don't know how it would work if I were on, if I were in the field every day. I wonder, you know, that would probably be taxing. But knowing that I could do it, I was able to do it one time. <laughs> it was encouraging, you know, that it, it worked out that one time. I, we also just happened to be making a gas station stop toward the middle of the day. Um, and so I think that worked out quite in my favor because then you have a sink, you have soap, you know, you, you don't have sterilizing stuff, but if you just need to make one stop, then, you know, you can manage it. Um, I don't know. What about the rest of you guys? Did Have you... Any of you had to pump consistently while going out in the field every day? I can jump in. Um, I have pumped many, many a time in the field. Um, and my experiences have been different depending on who I'm with. So I have another archaeologist I work with. Um, and she has a ba- She has two kids, one older and one younger than mine. And so she had already been through that when I started my stint back in the field after becoming a mom. And so, um, she was really helpful with that. And she was also pumping at the same time I was. So we would take, you know, when it, when it was just me and her in the field, we would sit down by a tree and um, get our hand pumped out and start pumping. Um, and you know, it there was no need for cover really. We weren't really worried about that. I don't know about you other ladies, but it seems like after you become a mom, you're, um, <laughs> Everybody has seen I don't know, them. like just careless. So, <laughs> but there have been times too where I'm leading a tour of um, for a bunch of retirees and we're out in the middle of the field and you know, I'm with a bunch of sixty five year old men and I have to go you know, I'm not pumping at work anymore, but I've you know, I've had to go hike out five minute lunch and just, you know, make some weird excuse. Uh, and and gone to pump by myself um but it is i mean you have to you have to pack ahead you need ice you need um you know something to clean your hands with to sterilize everything to clean it afterwards um did you make wipes what's that i'm so sorry oh no you're fine they make Um, wipes for the pump type right yeah yeah so you have to pack those so there's just a like you know, six more things you need to pack. And if you're, if you're carrying a battery pack, it's just, it's just more weight you have to carry around. So it is, it adds a certain challenge, but at the same time, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of fun. I have a really (laughs) neat photo of my, my hand pump 
and bottle with milk in it, you know, and with red desert in the background. It's just kind of, I don't know, it makes you feel kind of badass. <laughs> it is badass. <laughs> That's amazing. And just out of curiosity, I mean, it sounds like there haven't been any issues and that your crews have been supportive, but have you felt any stigma? Like, like I got to go pump now or something like crews acting strangely or people just being like, ugh. God, this is your mom. This is weird or anything like that. Definitely more self-imposed probably on my part. You know, I find myself always apologizing and my coworkers actually being like, oh no, you're fine. Like you, you do not even need to go there. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think lucky there. I think at first I was kind of like embarrassed about it. And then I was like, you know what? this is what I need to do for the health of my child and for my well-being, And so I don't really care anymore. I'm just going to tell you what's up and I'm going to go do my thing and I'll be back in 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like, I mean, I have, I have no shame uh, around anyone, but I feel like I've definitely worked with people who may have been a little bit weirded out by it. Not that that would change my, you know, behavior. I wouldn't stop pumping or anything, but you know, I mean, I may feel a little bad by making them a little bit, uh, you know, uncomfortable. I, I certainly wouldn't want to do that to anyone. But uh, it, and unfortunately, it's something that um, anyone who's in a workplace is going to have to deal with. It's just a little bit different in the field because you don't have usually a bathroom to go and hide in. And you don't have a half hour lunch break where, you know, you normally just disappear from your crew for an hour and then see them later. Um, you're a little bit more thrown together and you're a little bit more a part of each other's lives in good ways and bad. And so they just, uh, you know, these are some of the things you get, you get to know them a little bit better. They're going to get to know you a little bit better, uh, in this way as well. Um, I'm lucky enough that when I decided to go back to work, I was only, you know, my job was only three minutes away from my son's daycare. So I could pump at work, um, but I could also go and breastfeed him if I needed to. And uh, now he he only does it, you know, maybe morning and evening. So I'm good. But uh, I have a 12 hour day tomorrow. And uh, so that won't be fun for him. But but we'll we'll be okay at this point. So it sounds like, I mean, there's some aspects of the field that make it that you can make it work, whether it's pumping or logistics for daycare, like there's some aspects of archaeology in the practice that is family friendly, but it also seems like because you have so much of the logistical, it sounds almost to me a bit of a logistical nightmare just in that it's like, whoa, that's a lot to plan. Um, yeah. That it could be really tricky. Do you, do you see things about the field that needs to change to potentially make it easier on parents? I don't know if there's a lot that really can. Change. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so... Part of the challenge is I know that, you know, you hear stories about the old days back when when kids would join mom in the field or whatnot, like in the 50s and earlier. And um, I mean, it didn't happen super often, but there also weren't a whole ton of women in the field. Uh, so I think it may have been uh, representative. Uh, the thing is with the, the, so there's the insurance liability when you get to like serum or any situation especially when you get to various ages uh or young when you're in younger age groups of kids you're more likely to have a high uh, insurance liability 
for the firm or for the school. When you get to the older kids, there's still, I mean, a lot of field schools are 18 and over. So um, there's a lot of legality, I think, that no one really wants to deal with on that end. Um, I think in my experience anyway, and this is, of course, um, from the firm's point of view, you know, they basically told me as long as we have your availability and schedule, you know, we can work with it. And that's the experience that I've had has been very positive in that um, sometimes it would be very short notice, but it would be short term. Uh, so I ended up becoming, I think, on a couple of occasions, like the last minute call, like go monitor for <laughs> a half day or two days or something. Uh, and logistically having, and some of the ladies mentioned before that, the need for support so like family and friends that can do daycare exchanges with you and be able to be like you know call an aunt and be like hey i need you to take so-and-so for you know two days or whatnot um and i think that is still very necessary the only thing I can think of would be more easily accessible emergency daycare or satellite phone reception when you're going out into an area with no cell service um, would be the sort of the next step up. And but I don't really know what else really. Hmm. Can I hop, can I hop in here? Oh, by all yeah. means. I think, um, you know, there are a couple things for me that affect all women who become mothers with careers. Um, and I, and I can see it being particularly difficult in CRM mm -hmm. is um, paternal or maternity and paternity leave as well as uh, family leave. So Lindsay yeah. era, I think Jenny was talking before about, um, you know, you can't really bring your kid back to work with you when you work in a lab or in the field. Mm -hmm. And if we were able to have more flexibility um, because of, you know, potentially legislative actions to um, take family leave, that would be, sure, that would be um, I had to use all of my own personal sick and annual leave that I had built up over five years to take 14 wow. weeks, which I felt was great, but I definitely wasn't ready to go back. Mm. Um, so just things like that, that I think aren't specific to archeology, span but aren't necessarily offered by many private firms um, yeah. So just well, looking, looking ahead to my next kid, that's a lot of consideration for me because I'm I only have a couple weeks of sick leave at this point. So mm -hmm. it takes a while to build up. That's for sure. Yeah, and I, I that is one of the things that frustrates me most. I think about our country not having that requirement is. So we have to plan how many years ahead to accumulate how much vacation we're not taking in order to do this. Like, there's no reason why we shouldn't get the ability to, like, in order to have a kid, we are sacrificing our ability to take vacations and personal time for three years. That's bullshit. Right. And it's not vacation. Let's, let's be clear, maternity leave is not vacation. No, it's not. It's 
Sorry. So far. No, you are so not relaxing. Yeah. Well, you're not just laying back, just chilling, you know. Oh, yeah. Babies aren't that much work, right? I've never had kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. if you look at the pictures online of the people who make that legislation, <laughs> I don't, most of them aren't women. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think... I, oh, sorry. No, that's fine. Um... Before you, uh, I give up the uh, the talking stick. Uh, <laughs> I also wanted to mention on the same note or similar note. Uh, so doing uh, field work slash shovel bumming as a uh, single mom, I did run into. I, I had a part time job at a museum that I did most of the time, but giving up um, work because my daughter got sick day two of a project. Um, there's no vacation time. There's no sick time. It's kind of like, well, you know, either I got sick, had an allergic reaction or my daughter's home. Like, you know, uh, she got flu and she's out for two days. That's that three day project as well. You know, it's, it was definitely challenging to both tell people that sorry I actually have to cut out and you have to find someone else with no notice whatsoever Mm -hmm. and secondly now are they going to want to hire me again um so that was definitely a struggle as a field tech um that was because I hadn't built up any sort of way of working in an office at that point you know I was fresh out of field school and bachelor's and ready to conquer the world and all that jazz um uh, go ahead, Lindsay. Well, let me see. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, I was just listening to what you had to say. I wasn't um, prepared yet, but uh, on the we're talking we're talking along the lines of of what could be different to make it easier on parents in the field. So um, let me see. <laughs> on the one hand, I want to say you know it could be very very dependent on your family and how your family chooses to structure itself, you know, because I mean, I know, um, when Grace was, was tiny, tiny, uh, you know, my partner was in the field and, um, and, you know, we figured out kind of how to make it work. I, I don't know exactly how to word how it's different for women, but like it, and and it feels like it shouldn't be, but inevitably it it, it is, and or it has been for for me. And I I haven't run into any of that stuff that you hear about, where you know you're interviewing for a job and they say, well, how are you going to balance work and kids? Like I didn't have that problem at all, actually, when I was interviewing for my my current job. You know, I actually offered the information that I had a one-year-old and, and they were like, Oh, we all have kids. <laughs> That's great. You know, and, um, and it was a non-issue and every time I've needed, you know, to adjust for extenuating circumstances, it's been a non-issue. So I've really had a lot of luck with that, but, um, but still it is, I don't know. I, I don't have the data on it cause I haven't, I never chose to, so I haven't tried, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I have to wonder how it would be different if the roles had been reversed where, you know, 
I was going out in the field and I had a partner who was who was handling things while I was away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there there are families that can can choose to do it that way too if that is what works for them. Mm-hmm. But I think everyone has a lot more leeway when you do have a job in a permanent location um, yeah. or you know you're working for the home office but because it's it's a very different life when you have that stability. And you have that support network. But if you're a shovel bum who's moving from job to job and going from, you know, Virginia to Kentucky to Montana to wherever, you know, anyone who's hiring you for that job, if you say, oh, hey, by the way, I'm going to be traveling with my one year old and it's just us, um, they're going to probably be thinking twice because that's not I mean, that's an extremely difficult lifestyle to be able to support while being in the field, not being in your uh, a home area where you have that support, what are you going to do when you travel to this new town for three months? You know, finding a, a daycare. Uh, you're solely, if, especially if you're solely in uh, charge of your of your child, that's going to present a lot of challenges. So, um, you know, if you're someone and, and shovel bumming is the lifestyle that that's for you, then. I think out of all of the different areas of archaeology you could be working in, that's where you're going to run into the biggest set of challenges, and especially logistically. But also, I think, um, from the hiring standpoint, because uh, that, that is something that someone who's looking to hire is probably going to be wondering, you know, how are they going to be able to do this? Uh, yeah. Because you're really at their beck and call when you're working on those type of projects. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not in a lifestyle that is easily adaptable to having a small child. So uh, things that could change would be to have a lot more permanent jobs for archaeologists. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think that's going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. We can, we can yeah. hope. <laughs> right, especially right now. I don't think they're going to be upping the budget for government archaeologists or anything like that. But that, that, that's something that would make a huge difference for women and men who want to have families in this profession. And on that excellent note, we need to take a quick break, but when we come back, we can definitely get into this topic more about the need for permanent jobs, better support, and in our last segment, uh, advice for people like me about, you know, someday I want to have kids. What would you advise me as an archaeologist? So we'll get into that when we get back. Interested in archaeology? Want to hear from experts in the field about the latest discoveries and interpretations? Check out the Archaeology Show every other Saturday and let hosts Chris Webster and April Camp Whitaker take you deeper into the story. Check out the Archaeology Show at www.archpodnet.com forward slash archaeology and subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and the Google Music Store. That's www.archpodnet.com forward slash archaeology. Now back to the show. Welcome back. When we ended at our last break, we were talking about what needs to change in the field or what do we need more of to be more supportive uh, for parents. And Kirsten, I think you said you had some something you wanted to talk about with that. Yeah, so a little bit earlier, I was like, oh, you know, I can't think of a whole lot that needed to change. But after hearing Jenny discuss the need for permanent jobs, I remembered one of my soapbox topics in the field was uh, <laughs> about making things more reliable. Um, There are a lot of other uh, professions out there in fields where people are working constant temps 
you know, doing temp work from here, there, there, and there, and you're jumping from job to job from the firm, but you don't have the, like, consistent job search that I think at least 50% of my time in CRM was the job search, whether it's rewriting my resume to customize it to whatever firm or position that I'm applying to, to schmoozing. Um, I actually got to be known at one firm as the cookie lady because I brought cookies when I visit at <laughs> most of the firms. And they yeah, like they give you a window of time to discuss things and you're not awkwardly sitting in the middle of the office going, hi, you have work for me? No? Okay. Uh, <laughs> you can at least chat. Well, this is awkward then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, I made a point partly because most of my, and this may date me, but most of my early job searches and job hunts were in person. You know, you hand in your resume or your job application on paper and you could shake the hand and uh, introduce yourself to the person who may or may not be hiring you. So for me, that was a really big thing was to make that one-on-one -on -one contact in order to get the, that job and that work and to put sort of a face to a name on a resume. So there was a lot of physical footwork and driving and typing um, that I put into that. And I think if there was a way to create a um, like a temp service for technicians of some sort or some sort of body that could help source uh, techs that have a like known reputation and education and reliability to firms uh, consistently, it would take a lot off of the shoulders of the firms and could provide a better source of um, reliability and income and uh, what's the other word I'm looking for? Um, I consistency or predict there we go predictability yeah. for text but particularly for those who are parents because it's really hard on a 24-hour notice to be like yes I'm going to take that three months job um, mm -hmm. or even a one-week job I I did require my firms to give me a more than 24 hours notice so that I could arrange a daycare situation uh, and you know I did a lot of as I mentioned before like parent swapping or kid child swapping with other kids that were her age or close and they could play, you know, at friend's house and it was kind of a free daycare exchange <laughs> that would occur periodically, not, you know, every day, but fairly often, at least once a week. And that was helpful. So a combination of support, but definitely some way that we could restructure. And I know this is more wishful thinking than anything, but just to highlight my, my mini field work so far, son. <laughs> and for consistency, because that was one of the biggest things that got in the way was that ability to be like, okay, this is my schedule for the field over the next month, or at least this is what I can work, and then be able to have that second part-time job on the side and be like, this is, you know, what I can work and this is what you can count on me for, rather than giving them you know, less than 24 hours notice. I'm not going to be here for the next three days. Mm -hmm. So, that's all. <laughs> one thing I, I did see at some companies that I think 
must be great for families. Again, don't have kids, but uh, that I've seen for parents that work at the same company, the company itself will work really hard scheduling wise to make sure that um, when one parent goes out, one parent is home and then, you know, work with their schedule so that um, it isn't as much of a logistics nightmare to figure out who's taking care of the kid. Um, so that, that always seemed like a, a really helpful thing. And I didn't know if that's something you guys have seen at other companies. I hope so. Some companies are really great about that. And I think the only complaint I hear about it is that the partners hardly ever see each other. But, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, kind of a trade-off, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm, I have I have seen that, but I think I've also worked for some of the same companies you have. Yeah, so <laughs> it's the same company. <laughs> there's well, some there's some that are really great like that. Mm-hmm. So. And things where I've seen too, where kids are allowed at uh, offices until they're about six months old, which is kind of mm-hmm. cute because then I get to go in and be like, "Is that a baby I hear? Can I hold it?" <laughs> yeah, so excited <laughs> when there's a baby around, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. There was an office I worked for where um, one of the uh, two office staff uh, had a baby, and the baby was brought in, and she hung out in the office um, often as an infant until she was uh, beyond the walker. Huh. her in the little rolly walker, and she bounced around into the lab a bit. She couldn't reach anything. So so it was really cute. Um, and she got the barrier, like, yeah, she came in the field with us briefly, um, but it was more visiting. Um, and I've had seen that a lot to where the partner will bring the kids out to the field to kind of experience it. And they'll kind of play with them in the, uh, field and take pictures and then send them on their way. But it's, yeah, as mentioned before, not something that's, uh, every day is sort of occurrence. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, definitely the office. I've seen out here. I don't know if this is something that's archaeology specific or just because I live in Portland, but there's almost every <laughs> probably just because it's place. Portland. <laughs> <laughs> well, almost every place I work in has dogs. Chilling oh, in the, in so the office for pet dogs. <laughs> I've for two or three firms that had dogs that would go on field with them. I love field dogs. Ugh. Yes, yeah, it's pretty great. But- they're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I like dog offices too. I'm always so jealous of those offices. <laughs> My husband's office uh, is much more open to having kids around. I think a lot of it has to do with um, the fact that the people he works with all have kids, and yeah. uh, you know, depending on the company, I have I've seen other firms that everyone that works there has been working there since they opened the company in 1980, and. Yeah. Uh, it's a little less welcoming, um, especially if none of them have kids. Um, but you know, I, I, where I work, I'm, I can't bring my kid in. So if she gets sick and I have to pick her up from daycare, I'm home for the rest of the day. And, uh, that's kind of unfortunate. I found in other ways, my office is really great with kids because a lot of them have young kids, but, um, it's kind of a department wide policy an agency wide policy that we just can't have our kids around. And that, I don't know. Sometimes it's kind of a bummer. I think kids bring a certain fun, relaxing element to the, the workspace, kind of like dogs do, mm-hmm. you know, where you just get a couple of minutes to giggle with a kid and get back to your work day. It just lightens the mood a little. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. And increases morale, as they say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I'm also. lucky. I'm... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chelsea. No problem. Uh, I just was going to say, I do also want to clarify and give credit where credit's due. Um, when I was talking about being at home with the kiddo um, while my partner was in the field, I mean, he was field teching. So we definitely did get to experience firsthand, you know, where the challenges are with that. But we had a lot of support. We were living, um, you know, in Raleigh near his family and, and had a lot of free babysitting. So um, definitely it's awesome if you can build that into your life and, but it's, it's, it's definitely not always an option either. So, um, so yeah, I, we're not, you know, magical and just able to pull it off. (laughs) We had a lot of help. So. And so it sounds like the big thing that has been a blessing for a lot of you guys is just the network of friends, family, that kind of thing to help push things yeah. along. It's very helpful. Um, I know like I, it's something I struggle with a bit because uh, my husband's in the military. So we don't live near our family. Uh, we live on the other side of the country and we move every few years. So I have to kind of rebuild that network over and over again. And, uh, you know, my, my office right now is fairly, you know, good. If I really needed to get my kid, I could. Um, but you know, when I teach uh, tomorrow, tomorrow night, I have a class from five o'clock to 10 o'clock p.m. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Like I can't bring my kid to my class. And unfortunately, my husband's job in the military, he works when they tell him to work. And that is not a profession where they're very, um, you know, open to. Oh, yeah, sure. Just sure. Sure. Captain, just go get your kid from daycare and bring him into work for a couple of hours. That's not an option for him. <laughs> So uh, it's something where that was a consideration of me going back into field work or not, because he doesn't have the same type of flexibility. And uh, unfortunately, in the military, still, there's kind of this uh, prevailing, you know, ideology where, where if the man is at work, he's, you know, a lot of stay at home women or moms um, are, are they have no problem taking care of the kids all day. So they, they don't usually bother the men with, you know, uh, having to worry about daycare or getting your kid if he's sick. But in my situation, if I was in the field, that would have become a problem because I wouldn't have been available, you know, like, like a lot of women are, a lot of military spouses are. So, uh, yeah, it's something I definitely have to worry about on, you know, the nights when I teach, because if he's working past five, then we've got to figure something out. And I don't always have the same network of, of family or friends around to uh, to help me out. So I've got to be creative. And sometimes I've got to beg people that I don't know that well, or I've just got to find some babysitter somewhere who can watch my kid until he can get home from work. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it is really helpful having that support network. And sometimes it's pretty hard when you don't have it. But mm-hmm. it was definitely a consideration for me in what area I was going to go back to work in after maternity leave, because I was thinking about field work. And, you know, to be honest, I just was uh, I just wasn't sure that I would be able to do it uh, with my husband's availability and the way that um, his job treats, uh, you know, parenthood mm-hmm. and being available for your children. So how have you gone about, um, you know, finding babysitters in a pinch or is it, um, does it help to rely on kind of other members of the military community or have you been able to, to 
go through, um, do you go through care.com or what's your, um, you know, I could, I, I don't, I haven't thought about that actually in a long time. Um, I know my, my CDC, the place where my son goes to daycare has a list of, uh, providers on base. So women who do the daycare out of their home, they have a list of, you know, women on base who would, who babysit, who you can contact. And then, um, I was a part of during my maternity leave of our breastfeeding support group and I met a lot of nice ladies there who I could contact in a pinch and say hey do you have a babysitter you know does anyone know of someone I can call um there yeah. there I live in a pretty small town because most military bases are in the middle of freaking nowhere so <laughs> I, I don't have that many people to to choose you know on any nights that I am stuck for a babysitter sometimes I have to go through four or five people till I find someone who's free but, um, you know, I do have a couple friends and I, I have luckily I've met some of the moms on base who, who who have those connections that I can take advantage of. Nice. I, I'm kind of surprised that they're making you teach that race. Yeah, it's a well, you know, I, I work on a military facility. So uh, because I'm teaching at a college campus that's caters to the military we have to be a little creative with our scheduling because <coughs> my, my students are all enlisted and they are all full-time you know they work full-time yeah okay so they don't get out of work till 4 30 or 5 o'clock at night so that's yeah. why our classes all take place in the evening and we don't usually make them come to more than one class a week so that's so, why we have to teach wow. from 5 to 10 o'clock that is wow. that's a rough amount of teaching time <laughs> I thought an hour and 15 was rough. <laughs> yeah, it's a long time. And I, I work from nine to five. So tomorrow I'm I'm working a, a, a 13 hour day. Oh, boy. Because I, wow. I go straight from work to to my class. So yeah, it's a long day. And uh, mm. it's a long time without seeing my kid, which makes me a little sad. But uh, but I do I do love my class. So I'm very excited that I get the opportunity to do that. Mm. So and you get to go home nightly, which is the contract. That's with- true. That is true. Mm -hmm. So we're getting down to about our last five minutes or so. And personally, for me, I mean, I I hope to have kids someday or adopt a couple, foster a couple, have a passel of kids one way or another. And so (laughs) I wonder just advice. What would what kind of advice would you give future Archie parents uh, (laughs) about becoming parents? Like what? Is there something you should do ahead of time to prepare or um, just what would be your advice for for field work, for careers, for anything you can think of? Stay flexible would be <laughs> my best way to put it. Um, flexible and willing to take chances. I mean, granted, there's only a limited amount of uh, type and amount of chance that you're willing to take with your kids. And that's normal. <laughs> if, if you're trying to take too much chance, ask a little, uh, a few other questions, but, um, just being able to change your schedule or somehow, um, work with in your community and what your options are, um, is definitely part of it. I mean, the networks is such a big thing with, uh, like I mentioned before, daycare exchange with other parents um, or friends and don't get too hung up on, and I can say 
this because my daughter's much older, but you know, don't get too hung up on getting the best daycare place available and that they only go there and are not to see other daycare or babysitters. I've known some parents who, and I admit I was like that when my daughter was like one. Um, I, you know, would spend as much as or a little more than what we paid for rent on her daycare and I worked long hours at my previous uh, occupation. So I get, and I've been in that spot where you, you, you know, are not willing to negotiate on that, but I have to say in retrospect, that is something that I wish I had uh, been more flexible with. Um, and as she's gotten older, it's definitely, she's, you know, become more flexible with my necessity to be more flexible. Um, and she's become quite the young lady so far. <laughs> Still got a ways to go, but. Along with being flexible, just logistics, uh, flexible in your logistics, I think you need to, and this may not apply to every woman who has a baby in archaeology, but um, I think you, something I didn't really think about before I had a kid is um, being ready for kind of my worldview to shift a little and to um, think differently about my career and Honestly, you think a lot differently about archaeology, too, as a mom. Um, really? You, you, as an anthropologist, you think differently about how yeah. you know, people in prehistory operated and um, how they took care of their kids in certain situations. And anyway, uh, but I think for me, you know, I sort of had after I went back to work, I sort of had a crisis of faith in like, why am I doing this? Why am I? separating myself from my child for nine hours a day to do something that like, does it really matter? Um, what matters more raising my kid being a stay at home mom or doing my job and showing her a strong woman in a career. And so you kind of have to really reconcile that with yourself and, and think hard about, you know, what's most important to you and, and your family. And so um, just be prepared for maybe potentially going through that sort of crisis of faith in, in your career. Not that it happens to everyone, but it did to me. That's an excellent yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're not alone in that when it happens. I mean, you definitely, I, I know I went through, I had stages of that variously depending on where I was along that spectrum um, in time. But the yeah, I, I I feel your. That's why I got out of sales. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I felt like a vampire. You know, I days think, why am I doing this? I could be at home with my daughter. When re- yep. reality, you know, I you know financially couldn't really do that, but yeah, I would yeah. it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I I was home with my daughter for her her whole first year, and I I think there was value to it, but. I can say that for me, um, something about, you know, uh, getting a job and, and, you know, kind of getting, I don't want to put it this way, but getting out of the house (laughs) and having something that is, is for me to do that is, you know, kind of mom's thing, um, was very good for me. And in terms of that balance, achieving that balance of, you know, between work and 
work and family. Um, I always have a hard time uh, giving advice at the end of these things. I always feel like <laughs> I'm, I'm, well, I'm kind of still figuring it out and whatever works for you is kind of, you know, probably the best thing, you know, <laughs> is how I tend to wrap things up. But yeah. I, I would definitely say that, um, and this is still kind of in that vein, whatever does make you the healthiest, happiest person is going to also make you the best mom you can be or, or dad. Um, and so, you know, yeah, definitely finding your place on that spectrum is probably the most important part of that. And, you know, being prepared for that sort of internal struggle, but, you know, listen to that and, uh, you know, use it to, to try to find where, where you do want to be. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's really well that's said. That's lovely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jenny, did you yeah, have any I, closing I thoughts? Add, yeah. Oh. I, I would just add that um, I, I think if you're thinking, if you're someone who's maybe younger, thinking about your future in the field or your future family planning, all that, think about what you want your priorities to be for your life in the future and think about the lifestyle that you want to live and then do your research. Um, I really wish before I had gone to grad school and sort of headed down this road that I had done a little bit more research about the lifestyle of people with the background and education and positions that I would be, you know, able to work. And then I and and compared that to the lifestyle that I wanted to live. Um, You know, I I've always loved academics. And I know we've talked a lot about field work on this podcast, but there's a lot of us who are still very devoted to the academic part of being an anthropologist. And for me, one of the biggest things that I feel like has changed since I had a kid is that I don't prioritize the academic part as much anymore as I do spending time with my kid, being there for my family, and then having a job that I can go away to and feel like I'm doing something good and contributing to my family and to the world in a good way. But do I have time to come home at the end of work and read five journal articles or catch up on all of the latest news or write a, you know, a paper from my next conference presentation? I really don't have time to do that very much anymore. I don't have time to podcast as much anymore. And back, I think if I had thought a little bit more about the lifestyle I wanted to live when I got into this field, I maybe would have made some different decisions. So I think if you are thinking about what type of life you want to live and if you want a family, think about your priorities and then look at the career fields available to you with the training and background that you have or that you're going into and just sort of compare, you know, and think about where you're going to be in the future and if that lines up with where you're going to want to be as far as your family goes. Um, I think some of us are really happy doing field work, but I think a lot of people from what I've heard on this podcast, especially who have started families and had kids have discovered that field work, you know, as a career may not be the most fulfilling thing in their life anymore and not the best way to prioritize their time. And so, uh, yeah, that's something you should really consider if you're thinking about having a family, because once you have that kid, that's your main priority. And so fieldwork is great and it's a wonderful career, but it may not be the right choice for everyone anymore after that point. So just make sure that that's part of your planning when you're thinking about the long term. Hmm. Well, as someone who who didn't get really any time 
to plan. I do also want to add to that, that, you know, even if you, if you don't get time to have all that lined up and this is the choice that you're making, you know, lean on your network. People in many situations will come out of the woodwork in ways that you didn't even know. Um, and re-strategize, you know, however you need to, but, um, definitely setting your priorities being the thing, but, um, it can work out okay too. <laughs> oh yeah. That's absolutely. all I wanted to add. Yeah. Well, you well, definitely... that's the thing we say in the Air Force. We say Semper Gumby is our, <laughs> always stay flexible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Always stay flexible. That's good advice. I really like that. <laughs> yeah, Semper Gumby. I use it all the time. It's the Air Force slogan. <laughs> well, ladies, you've definitely given me a lot to think about. I'm sure you've given our listeners a lot to think about. And thank you so much for joining this episode this evening. Really appreciate it. And I hope you enjoyed being on it. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much. Happy Thank you so much, Emily. All right. Well, until next time. Bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. We hope you have enjoyed the show. Please be sure to subscribe and rate our show wherever you listen. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and probably whatever your favorite podcasting app is. Remember to like and share. If you have questions or comments, you can post them in the comment section for the show at the Women in Archaeology page on the Archaeology Podcasting Network site, or email them to us at womeninarchaeologypodcast at gmail.com. This show is part of the Archaeology Podcasting Network and is produced by Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle. You can reach them at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Music for this show was Retro Future by Kevin McLeod, available at Incomtep and Royalty Free Music. Thanks for listening. This show is produced by Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.